it's because I saw so many jokes like this. I know Russian comedians here in Berlin and in the United States, they all speak with thicker Russian accent on stage than they do in real life. So they... Yes. <laughs> They like if you're in the coffee shop, he's like, eh, "Can I have a latte?" And it's like he's an American, but on stage he's like, "Hello, my name is <laughs> my name is Alex." Hello, welcome to Comedy with an Accent podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English stand-up comedy, but who are not native English speakers, or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages, and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested. Hello, welcome back to the Comedy with an Accent podcast. Once again, I moved to Berlin. I'm here to do a solo show of what I'm taking to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Also, I'm interviewing a comedian who is now confirmed to be based in Berlin for the foreseeable future or for a fixed period. Hope so. Hope so. <laughs> this is the very first Russian-speaking comedian. Wow, why do I say Russian-speaking? He's a Russian comedian. He's not living yeah, in that, Berlin. But uh, now I prefer Russian-speaking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please welcome to the podcast. That's Denise Trudeau. Yeah. I try. I really try. He's now known as Dan the Stranger. Yeah, yeah, that is why I'm known as Dan the Stranger because nobody is able to pronounce my Russian name. So I always wondered about that, but then my Russian friend explained to me Chujoye, the word basically means stranger. Yep. In yep. Russian. Yep. And that's why you are called. Dan I don't the have much fun fantasy, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's just translate it. <laughs> Yeah. How are you today? Uh, fantastic. The weather is good. <laughs> I have my dogs. That's all I need. <laughs> yes, Dan just posted an Instagram update and he just welcomed back his babies, yeah. his dogs. Um, <laughs> babies. Two from Moscow, one from Istanbul. Yeah, my international team of dogs. No, well, I call them puppy, but they're not. They are huge because yeah. continental European love big dogs. But it took <laughs> them one hour to recognize Papa. I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm honored that I have What was those. that one hour like when they were not quite sure? Uh, they were terrified of like a new city because I don't think dogs are used to changing countries at all and they changed two countries in the last year so they were terrified of like the new neighborhood when the war started we all moved to istanbul but when we decided to move to berlin we sent two of the dogs back to moscow and then we found an apartment here so it's a complicated story. Oh, anyway, I shouldn't be questioning the credential of their <laughs> suffering. I know I know some people were thinking, what are you talking about? They are dog. Dog, I have feelings too. It's been tough on them. Okay, let's not pretend there's nothing weird. I don't know a lot about Russia. And actually, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Are you sorry? For the, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We're not going to pretend the war isn't happening. It is happening. It is part of the context of the interview today. Sure. But the war is also reason you change your trajectory how you think of your target audience, your market, right? You've made a yeah. big life-changing decision. You made it and you're now based in Berlin. And that times to the theme of the podcast. And I will explain later. But first, I want to say, Dan, you are the very first comic I do not know in personal terms at all. You were recommended to me by a dear friend of mine. When I used to live in Berlin, I went to German classes and there was this very lovely, smart Russian girl called Kat. Oh, should I disguise her name? I don't know. 
Okay, I would say Katia, I don't say Daria. One of them is the real one. Anyway, <laughs> when I first met her, I thought she's Portuguese. Turns out she's Russian, but she's from Siberia. So maybe there's some mix. I don't know. Yeah, we love uh, love being mistaken for uh, other nations. Like, yeah, I'm from Portuguese. I'm Portuguese. Yeah. That's... What do you think you can get away with if you lie about your appearance? No, I it's, think, it's can impossible you not pass to as a Viking. Uh, no. <laughs> no. It would be an honor, but no. Uh, you can't hide it when you like do comedy because when you're just standing like being quiet, you can pass for a Swedish person or I know. Yeah. But when you open your mouth, is like, oh, he's a Russian. Yeah. Oh, actually, people cannot tell between generic East European accent, but they're more likely than not to guess you're from Russia if they are not sure which one. So in that way, you can't really hide. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, like, if you pretend to be like uh, a Ukrainian or Belarusian, it's it's even worse. Because... I think that's touch of what Ukraine with a bit of caution today. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, I I, the, I know the thing. Yeah, I know why uh, why it's it's weird. Yeah, and the, the reason I say that is all the guests I have introduced to the podcast to date, I've seen them live. I've known them quite well. I often share the bill with them. I'm based in London. Occasion I come back to Berlin. This is where I started, but not a lot. I've never met Dan until today. So I was like, what if he's just an AI robot <laughs> and the computer agreed to come? <laughs> what if this person never actually existed? So Dahlia, my friend, recommended you to me. Oh shit, I let out her name. But <laughs> okay. She said this comedian is very interesting. He's now trying to do English comedy. I think for your podcast, you should interview. Him. And that's why I contacted oh, you. That's so nice of her. When I contacted you, you're like, I'd love to do it, but I don't know where I will be allowed to stay. That's the actual conversation <laughs> yeah, we yeah. had. You're like, I basically just left Russia. I don't know where I will be. You are on your way to do a couple of shows, like a mini tour in America. You told yeah. me your plan is to come back to Europe to stay in Berlin. Yep. But if the paper doesn't go through, you will think about other places. And thankfully, the German government do let you stay. Oh, or yeah. have they not? You just think no, <laughs> no, they <laughs> let they let me stay. Thankfully, for the first time in last year, uh, the plans worked out. <laughs> yeah, I got my freelance artists like type a Kunstler, of visa. Kunstler visum, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, you know the stuff. I don't know. <laughs> now, I've yeah. heard about it. I, I not because yeah, I used to the... live here with a British passport when Britain was part of the EU. So that's obviously <laughs> in the past right now. They have this program that you can prove that you're an actual artist, and they let you stay, and you have to prove that. Are comedian artists though, or are we just lowbrow? entertainers oh i uh, like the germans <laughs> think that i'm an artist so i will uh -oh. not change that and you have to prove that it's not safe for you to return to russia so i had to send them my stand-up videos okay and the recording of death threats i received but you are saying that really shit comedian who can't really be called an artist can still stay on the basis of life-threatening danger yeah that's that's, <laughs> uh, that's how we do it in berlin yeah <laughs> So that's why I don't know him very well. But since my friend recommended a Dan to me, I've been trying to look into what he does. And what I found out is you have, for example, to so your Instagram and your YouTube account strategy are completely different. So you kept using your old Russian Instagram yeah, account, yeah. but your YouTube one, you set up successfully a new channel for yep. English content. Yep. And I had to be told where your Russian content was and I went mm -hmm. to find it. Maybe that's go for this way now you're performing english comedy do you think when you speak english that you have an accent what do you think 
I'm pretty sure. I'm trying not to listen to my uh, performances because it's horrible, I think. I mean, in, even in Russian. But uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, because that's why I need a joke to start my performance. I say that uh, I was a Russian comedian, but since the war started, I'm a traveling comedian. Yeah. And, like, that explains I'm Russian. That's that's why the accent. And uh, that explains that I'm actually against the war. And it releases the tension in the room because when you perform in Europe, there's, oh, he's a Russian. So you're saying that the audience are always scared if the Russian comic doesn't declare. Uh, Halfway through, the Russian comic might say, F*** Ukraine, and they're so worried it might happen. They need to be reassured. Yeah, I don't think the, the exact lines in their minds, but... Uh, but if I look at some Russian resident in Matsan in Berlin, it's not impossible to... <laughs> I think there are some war-supporting Russians sure, yeah. in Germany, and yeah. in a way, ironically, they are protected by the democratic system. Yeah, yeah. we have a freedom of speech, so yeah, here's yeah. my <laughs> Russian flag. Oh, shit. No. But you feel that there is tension in the room and not a good tension. Not when you make like a sex joke and they're tense. They're mm -hmm. waiting for the punchline. No, they're tense because you're Russian and uh, there's some awkwardness in it. And you just have to say that I'm still a normal guy. I do not support the war. I'm against it. I'm against the Russian regime. So we're on the same page. We're good. And people are, okay, then we can hear your dog jokes. Have you ever tried not to clear the air and just bang on with your jokes? I tried it in Turkey. But uh, in Turkey, there are a lot of war supporters as well. In Europe, I've never took that risk. I just... Turkey is in Europe too. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> Dad is like, like come on, you half of it. <laughs> half of it. <laughs> Okay, my question would be though, before you make the big decision to leave Russia, I think you were quite a recognizable name. You were quite big in Russia already. At that time, did you perform in English? Did you feel the need to have to perform in English? Uh, it was uh, just for fun. It wasn't uh, anything, it wasn't about career. It, I was in New York once and my wife told me like, maybe you'll go to the open mic. And like, oh. okay. And I went, I did it well, but... Is but, it the Buddha company one? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the easiest one. Like, it's the the only open mic that comes up when you Google open mics New York. So any Russian comic I know that were in New York, they all performed there because we are so lazy. We'll just Google open mic New York. The Buddha one is the first one. So we all performed okay. there. And then I returned to Russia and we had a show called Moscow Comedy Experience where two Russian comics, one from Croatia and one from Israel, I guess. Some or, international comics. Yeah, and they did comedy in English in Moscow, but the audience were mostly English students and they didn't follow the jokes, they followed the grammar so, like, hmm, did he use the present perfect correctly? There were no laughs, basically. Oh, you mean like Russian student who study English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not expats. Ah, so they were analyzing. They take yeah. that as a textbook material. Yeah, because they... Uh, listening comprehension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They promoted the shows in, like, uh, English schools. So they, they just used to hand out flyers. So uh, they came uh, not to enjoy the show, but to learn English. Okay, so I'm asking that question because I needed to establish the fact. Basically, when you made up your mind to leave Russia, you know that you can't continue to perform in Russia. Maybe you can, but the market will be extremely small. You have to now start performing in English. And I think you acknowledge that in some of the clips. Yeah. But at that time, you had not had sufficient training performing English. Your sense of humor is great but you think in Russian. You used to think just in Russian. I still think in Russian. So you are training yourself to convert to an English stand-up comedy performer, yeah, yeah. basically. And I want to say something. I hope you don't find it patronizing. When we first had that chat 
yeah. messaging. When I watch your clip, I think your English has improved so much. It's so much more natural right now. Oh, because so I think it was grateful. in February or March. Yeah, you were trying to do some sketch, some sort of TikTok video, yeah, yeah. but it was obvious you were not familiar with this language. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. Do you feel like you've overcome the worst, most challenging phase yet? Um. Yeah, I'm not scared anymore, and I can speak English now. I used to memorize my jokes, like the poem. I just uh, stood in front of a mirror, and I just repeated my jokes until I remember them well. And now I just have like the tags in my notebook. Bullet points. Yeah, bullet points, and it's enough for me to try some new jokes without memorizing and writing down all the jokes, all the words for a joke. So I think I I improved, but it's a long way. But your English also become a lot more American. I don't know whether because you spend a lot of time in America or because there are more American expats in Berlin compared to English expats. I think it's just more American content that I consume. <laughs> like it's just, uh, I don't really like choose my accent and my way. So. Is it British or is it American? I'm not going to watch this video because God forbid my accent be tainted by Britishism <laughs> today. So it's the comics you like, typically American comics, and um, yeah, mostly because、uh, they are more popular in Russia. All the whole. Comedy community, they all discuss like Louis C.K. and Bill Burr and stuff like that. So it's more American. Although I prefer the British approach to comedy, but there are just fewer comedians that I watched from Britain. So in a very generic way, I'm sorry if this seems too open-ended a question. What do you feel about performing in English in general? Is it something you just get on with, or you don't even think about it, or something? If you're like, I really need to prep for this. You you explain you don't have to remember the script、yeah. verbatim, but do you still have a little bit of concern if you want to improvise and riff with the audience, and you'll be wondering, oh, maybe I should refrain from doing that just because I haven't really started performing English until、yeah. this year. Yeah, I refrain from、uh, crowd work because, like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> have you not tried to like introduce a micro dose of it? Just I. Like even if if it's going really well, and I can like、uh, indulge yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But、like、only little jokes. <laughs> I, like I can't like really talk to a person. Like, what do you do for a living? Well, stuff like that. It's closed for me. I I can't do all those crowd work reels. <laughs> it's not an option for me yet. So far, it's only the jokes that I wrote at home. But it feels freeing because、uh, you can reinvent yourself as a comedian. You know, when you move to another city, you can reinvent your persona. Why、like, are you hiding then? <laughs> you mean like when you used to live in your hometown, but you、yes. moved to a bigger city, and now you're a cooler person. So when a slut becomes a born again virgin. Yeah, 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 and. <laughs> <laughs> so that was happened to me when I switched from Russian to English, cause、uh, I was a really slow and depressed and、uh, deadpan comedian in Russia, and now I can try something else. I can be more physical, more、uh, my English isn't enough, and I can talk about different topics that I didn't in Russian. So for me, it's a chance to add something to my comedy style. Are you aware of your weakening and waning accent? That is really not. It does not come out strong at all right now. Did you notice that yourself?、Uh, not、it、at all. It is very, very natural to as another international person.、Yeah. I mean, native English speaker can be a bit of pain in the ass. It might still point out that obviously you have an accent in your front, this way, that, that.、Mm -hmm. But this is very fluent, and very natural, very soothing to hear you. So, oh, that's、yeah. so cool. I didn't think about it. Like because when I,、um, which started... only proves the point that there are too many people. People living in Berlin who don't speak German, <laughs> and that's how Dan has been able to improve so、oh、quickly、God. and so well. <laughs> you sound so German right now. 
Why don't you learn German? I'm gonna talk to the Auslander. <laughs> I don't know because when I studied English in at school at, at the university, we didn't pay much attention to accents or to phonetics. Was your tutor Russian? Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm from the Kursk region. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. We only learned the grammar and the vocabulary, but that was enough to pass your exam. And nobody cared about the like phonetics and the like speaking. Speaking. Yeah. So that's why I don't know how to improve it because I have this Elsa app on my phone. Elsa. Yeah. As in, let it go, frozen Elsa, Princess Elsa. <laughs> yes, but it's a robot that analyzes your phonetics. You just say stuff into. You know the that when the robots um, revolt against humankind, you will die faster because they have every single feature of your voice already, right? But I will. Fight. They analyze the shit out of you. Uh, but I will <laughs> fight because I hate this person so much, this robot person, <laughs> because she's like, I'm nailing it. I'm like, yeah. And she's not nah, try again. Oh <laughs> try my god! Again. So at your age, you're learning to that kind of sure because de- detail. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, but I hate it because okay. uh, it's impossible to like get 100% score in this app. So I'm like. So I'm gonna chime in as a as a non-native English speaker. Maybe native speakers find it difficult to understand some of your vowels. The certain sound don't exist in other languages. For example, the sound. A or a, if you say like a table, uh-huh. we don't have the a in Mandarin. Yeah. So we have a, so we are more like to say table or table. But but to learn to speak table probably, it takes some effort and it keeps sort of repetitive practice yeah, yeah. to make like more natural. But when we are tired, we could still slip, and that's what <laughs> Dad had to do to speak to the phone like some sort of idiot and say. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lizard all the time. <laughs> And the robot is not happy about it. Do you find your now much lighter accent actually a charm when you perform to the audience? Though, if you have no accent at all, they probably don't even believe you're just faking being Russian.、Uh, you're just a character who doesn't even sound like Russian. I don't think Russian accent is something. <laughs> It's a liability. <laughs> After、oh、February 2022, he sounds so Russian. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I I don't see the point of hiding it, but it's not it's not definitely like uh, my uh, uh, like my charm. It's not it's not good. It's not. Uh, something to be proud about. So it's just,、uh, and I can't. I will not avoid it. I like, yeah, my Russian accent, yeah. But、uh, I will say things that make you think. That will make you think a little bit better about Russians. That's okay. Let's establish the journey. You left Moscow. You were looking for a place probably that didn't require a visa for you to land. Yeah. That's how you ended up at Istanbul. Yeah. How long did you stay there? For about six months. And why did you decide to migrate again? First of all, we you don't want to be wake up by the by the drums. Prayer sounds. Six, Prayer sounds. You, six a.m. in the morning. You get. It's not Islamophobic. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's it's actually beautiful, and you get used to it in like two days. Yeah. But they have this holy month of Ramadan,、uh, during which they can't eat and drink water during the daylight. So at three or four a.m., they have the last chance to have breakfast. So they have a drummer that walks. Around in the neighborhood, he beats the drums to wake everybody up, and we were f- horrified during the first week. Our first night in Istanbul, we were asleep, and someone started drumming in front of our window, and like, "Oh, he's coming!" Get, get, get up! And we're like, "Holy shit! Putin found us!" And、uh, <laughs> 
but it was the only inconvenience. So Ramadan broke you, and you decided <laughs> to move. Is that it? Food no, and water. No, actually, it was uh, our neighbor. Some lady didn't want the dogs to live in our building. Oh. So she wrote several letters to the management, and we we're like, "Oh, is it worth it to fight? We escaped Putin, and now we have to fight this lady. Yeah. Maybe we'll find something else." And then I had shows here in Berlin in Russian. People were asking, like, "Why don't you get a artist visa?" I'm like, "What is that? Oh, it's so easy to get. It's so easy to prove that you're an artist." Should I keep this line or edit out? I don't want to get the Russian population in Berlin <laughs> to travel. That we just get more backlash. Like, so You have to be an artist. It's it limits the amount of Russians. But yeah, we decided to give it a go. We decided not to fight against this Turkish lady and this Turkish bureaucracy. Were you remotely tempted to move to the United States when you were touring there? Not remotely. I was tempted, but we looked at the prices, even the food. When the like the breakfast for two costs fifty dollars, you think, oh, maybe I'm not ready to get here. Before tipping as well. Yeah, that's horrifying. And the the medicine, the insurance, and stuff like that. And I also tried to get to some open mics in New York. Turned out to be impossible to get proper amount of stage time. Mm. So I decided maybe I'll stay in Europe where it's easier to build an hour, and then we'll see. Okay. How do you see the demographic of your audience change? Obviously, before you left, it was very Russian, and, and Russia itself is a big enough market, so that was absolutely fine. You perform in Russian. Now you left Russia. You perform in English. What have your audience been like? Is it more overseas Russian or international people or English-speaking people? I actually did a really long tour in Russian. It was actually my longest tour ever. Like But outside Russia, outside Russia, yeah, in Europe, in Asia, in the United States, those were all post-Soviet people. Not only the Russians, but like from Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Belarus, and stuff like that. I'm so glad you didn't mention the Baltic state because it might get a bit murky there. What do you mean? You say the ex-Soviet country. I think they don't like to be mentioned as the ex-Soviet country. Uh, But they are sizable Russian minority in Estonia, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you go to do a show in the Baltic sure, twice? Twice I had four <sighs> shows in Tallinn. Now, since I started doing shows in English, it's mostly Russians and their new friends because uh, Russians they don't usually form national communities like Chinatown. They don't have Russia Town. Say Russian don't like to stick together. Yeah, because we usually leave Russia because of some disasters. Right. So we are usually. Is it because you don't trust your fellow countrymen enough, or? Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, and maybe because like I left Russia because I was、uh, horrified by the war and by the amount of people who supported the war, and now I'm kind of.、Um... Mm, afraid of、uh, talking to Russian and、uh, realizing that they are actually pro-Putin and pro-war, so it's easier to avoid them. Because <laughs> it's too awkward to ask that question too early on in the conversation. And it's so painful to realize. Even like、uh, some of my old friends and comedy pals turned out to be kind of pro-war. Yeah. And it was so painful to realize that. So I stopped speaking to them. It's easier to be ignorant about it. So、um, maybe that's why we avoid other Russians, and that's why. We dissolve usually. We find friends like in Germany or in the United States. We learn the language and we become Americans or Germans. And uh, uh, that's why I have to switch to English quickly because my audience will soon become Americans, Germans, French people, and stuff like that. But do you think you were working 
with an inevitable evolution, or did you want to engineer for that to happen? What was your thought process? You now left Russia. You were still able to gig for Russian people overseas. Yeah. So you could have just say, "I'm gonna monitor and just keep performing to this demographic continuously." So did you think about this and make a decision? Said no. Now that I'm out of Russia, it makes more sense to go for the bigger market, or you want to do it English because give you more freedom. How did you make I that, your move, mind? I want to move gradually because I will not get a whole new audience right away. It's impossible. So I would prefer to have my old Russian audience, and I would prefer to add some new people to them. I started doing some immigration jokes about having a bad passport. I usually see Russians in the audience that re- respond to it, and I see people from India, from African countries. They also react to the same jokes because they also have this problem with air quotes bad passports and being treated differently from European citizens and American citizens. The lesser white, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, this uh, Family Guy picture. Yeah, I think that I will add people with uh, air quote bad passport. To my Russian audience, and I will grow there with immigrants and、uh, people from non-European countries who are here. That's my strategy. <laughs> But when I ask the question, is because when you face a predominantly West European audience, and a lot of them have quite a simplified worldview as a foreigner, I like to say ethnic minority, but I don't know whether you qualify as the ethnic minority. So not ethnicity-wise, <laughs> but as a foreigner, the quickest way for you to get to them is to do very stereotypical Russian jokes. But then we are talking about mafia stay, criminal spying activity, which I sometimes do as an opener、yeah. just to get it out of the way. But when I watch your Russian material, you surprise me how intelligent your jokes are when you do that in Russian.、Oh, thank you. I just thought it must have pained you slightly to have to do a disproportionate amount of those jokes to get your new audience on board, or you are fine with that. I don't know if that question is too pretentious, but that kind of hack joke. I will give you an example. This is from a Russian comedian I know. Hello, I come to your country to work. My work is to. Destroy your democracy. This is what I meant as a <laughs> Russian、so、hack joke, <laughs> and is that accent as well? No, I think it's it's boring. I guess we can say that the same things but differently because、uh, I'm developing a bit about being threatened for my anti-war position. Yeah, and that basically says about everything you need to know about Russia, like it's a mafia and fascist state.、Mm-hmm. But I am the one who was against it, and here's what happened to me because of this position. So I'm not a part of. This horrible state. I'm the one who interacted with that, and now I have a story to tell.、Yeah. And I don't need to do this horrible accent,、uh, and I don't need to be this horrible character, this KGB sleeping agent <laughs> stuff. So if we go back to that question, suppose the every joke should be equal because there are some audience who like them. So why would you say that joke is boring? Uh, Just to say, I actually agree with you, but I like to understand how you rate that joke and how you say, if I had a choice, this would not be the first joke I do. It's because I saw so many jokes like this. I know Russian comedians here in Berlin and in the United States. They all speak with thicker Russian accent on stage than they do in real life. So they yes. <laughs> They like if you're in the coffee shop, he's like,、eh, can I have a latte? And it's like he's an American, but on stage he's like, hello, my name is <laughs> my name is Alex. <laughs> Like because it's exotic, but it's not. It's, it's not, not authentic. Yeah, and I don't want to separate myself from the Western audience. 
my bigger goal than comedy and stuff like that is to prove that after some years Russia still has a chance to be with all the other countries to be friends with everybody else by separating yourself and saying I am here to destroy you it's not it's not a good start for this it's but sometimes people who tell those jokes they will be like but we are in a position to do those jokes those are just to be jokes like it's just jokes why does it matter we are reclaiming those if they go down that explanation I don't want to reclaim this I want to forget I want to forget it because it's like uh, I mean only the Bojack Horseman made Russians sound cool because there was an episode about a KG- the Bojack yeah Bojack Horseman yeah the Netflix TV show oh I don't know what that is I'll, I'll check with you after oh the recording oh my god you've missed some I envy you I thought you meant Borat or something no Borat Bojack Horseman yeah there was an episode about a really cute KGB sleeping agent that woke up in the modern America and he's like oh I'm so sorry I'm always Russian and like <laughs> he did this <laughs> cute puns about being Russian and that was cute but most of it it's it paints you as a horrible person which is not true mostly most russians i know they're cool guys they know the popular culture they use the same apps and the same phones that all the other people do so i want to show that uh, we are similar and i don't want to be it's like a separate thing like uh, this barbarian figure i think i agree with you in that you know it's gonna work because you've seen somewhere somehow someone's done it and it worked and you know so many people have done it you cannot even name the person who first did it yeah, yeah that makes you not you that makes you just another russian comedian and that's why as an asian comic i would tend to disagree with doing certain type of very still typical racially typical jokes and yeah yeah, yeah. when you say russian that's what people expect to see like some aggressive dude with yeah. heavy eyebrows and stuff like that but sometimes it's cooler to do the opposite we had one famous russian comic yakov smirnov he left soviet union in like 70s and or in the 80s mm-hmm. and uh, he made a debut on some late show he was smiling charming he did really kind jokes about Russia and the United States and that worked because they all expected uh, some aggressive communist dude and he was charming he was happy he subverted expectations yeah 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 that's always better So do you think, what's the percentage of your non-Russian audience right now at a gig you go? Uh, it's like 5%. 5%. Yeah. You're still trying to grow it. Yeah, oh, sure. I remember what I wanted to say. I think for someone who can be tied to a specific racial stereotype, as a comedian, your aim should be, should you be put on a night of exclusively the same comedian from the same racial background, mm-hmm. no one will be afraid of their joke being done by someone else before them. Yeah. Because Because you all do enough different stuff that a whole night of Russian comedians will not scare you that you're on last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I think uh, that should be the criteria. Yeah, I heard about the British tradition when comedians had a list of jokes and all the comedians could do any of these jokes and they just used to cross it. Do they? I don't know about I that. I listened to a Stuart Lee lecture about the alternative comedians and the comedians that were before those <laughs> and they used to have this list of I mean, like a mother-in-law and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that and these white dudes that just took the jokes and they did them and didn't matter who told which jokes because they were all the same and that's the same for racial or for national comedy it's you should be afraid of it of the situation where anyone could do any jokes mm-hmm. 
just your thinking Russian. Yeah. Because for me, that's really weird. English is not my native language, but I started performing comedy in English. So to express my sense of humor in person, I can be funny in my brain.、Mm-hmm. To perform in a structured, sort of crafty way, English comes first. So I actually don't know very well how to perform in Mandarin. But you are the opposite. You're a native Russian speaker. You used to perform Russian comedy.、Yeah. How painful was the transition? It was actually not painful at all. As I said, I can't really joke on stage. I can't write on stage like as biggest names do. But mostly it's easy because it's the same process in a different language. I think I will start thinking in English at some point because、uh, sometimes I write jokes in English like 10% of them. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to write it down because I'm lazy. I don't want to write it down in Russian and then translate it. And if I have a joke in my mind that it's already in English, I write it down in English. So my notes are a mess, like <laughs> two or three languages at、mm. the same time. And I think it's a gradual process. And now I think in Russian, but I hope that my brain will go bilingual like in several months. I think it's cool to have two languages in your brain. That's two ways of thinking. I'm pretty sure you realize that some concepts are better in. In Mandarin and some concepts are better in English. Absolutely, and, and that's why when you have two languages or three or four, it makes you richer as a writer. You are raised in with Russian literature, and that's one way of thinking. It's more chaotic and more sad. It's longer, and the English structure is faster. It's more rhythmic, and when you can play with the rhythms and the concepts, it's better. But I still have to say I'm not an expert on your material. I don't know the Russian circuit. I don't know about Russian comedy in general very well. Watching the episode you release. I really hope I can get to see in very near future you do that in English because you can see that natural rhythm when you use your mother tongue. And、mm. I'm not trying to criticize you don't have that in English right now because you're trying to get there. Yeah, sure. So as I always try to achieve perfection, there's always a little bit difference between your mother tongue and your sure, first foreign language. It was beautiful the way you do all the Russian delivery. It is so natural to you. And some of the bits I would say is not too difficult a transition. Maybe because there's some universal nature in your.、Journey. Joke. It doesn't go on, for example, like Russian puns or <laughs> <Yeah> . doing reference to global pop cultures.、So、you joke about Harry Potter. Yeah. So、sure. that joke really can do just with a simple translation to the English language, and that will work. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just because I grew up watching American and British comedy. Some younger Russian comedians they grew up watching Russian comedy. What do you mean by Russian comedy? I need to know that first. I mean, when、uh, I discovered comedy, it was pretty late. It was 2011, I guess. Yes. I watched like George Carlin, Eddie Izzard, Stuart Lee, Louis C.K., and there was no Russian comedy. There was like literally like four comedians in the whole country. So I had to watch a lot of American and British comedy, and I grew up watching them being universal, being accessible to any audience. I guess that taught me to be as universal as I could. Then the Russian scene emerged, and now younger comedians sometimes they don't even watch American comedy. Okay. Because there are so much Russian comics that they. They grow up watching Russian comedy. They are good at Russian comedy, but they are kind of trapped in it. Okay, so this Russian comedy emerging from the first generation、yeah. of Russian comic, learning maybe from just doing what they do or from some of the American material. What's the characteristic of the Russian comedy? Right now, or right now, you say that these people are trapped in Russian comedy. Um, now it's by that. What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, it's mostly observational comedy because、uh, you can't dig deeper. If you do it for a big audience on YouTube or even on TV, you have to work with lawyers. 
because it's dangerous to do Is jokes. it censorship or self-preservation? It starts with censorship. Like, if you work on a TV show, you have to work with the lawyer who tells you to, let's get rid of this Putin joke, of this gay jokes, because now gay people are banned from TV. You can't even mention them. It's illegal to mention them. Gosh. Like, you do it once, you do it twice, and they just get rid of your stuff that works. And next time you think, do I need to write these jokes about Putin or about making gay people seem like good people? Do I need to write those jokes? And you start to not write them. Let's talk about cabbages, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 because it's like you just waste your time on jokes that will never see the, the light. And that when the self-censorship comes along. So that's why now, and even especially when the war started, it feels like sterile. They shot a new season of the stand-up show in June. Yeah. It was like three or four months into the war and did the jokes like oh these taxi drivers they are they are something and you think what so you're saying that for example the Wagner group on their way almost marching to Moscow and that that just happened yeah but no comedian on that show is going to address this no. really obviously funny ridiculous thing and that we all just pretend it never happened yeah really. and like we know about Wagner but there are people in Russia that consume news from TV some of them they don't even know about Yevgeny Prigozhin at all they didn't even know about this possible revolution they don't know what's happened so you mean by being trapped in Russian comedy it is just so safe that it doesn't have any exciting edge to it like no one is pushing they do it but now it's more and more dangerous so if you go to see like a live comedy at the club there are some political jokes and some other dangerous jokes but it will never see the light it will never be recorded for YouTube or even for TV because it's dangerous and uh, it's underground now right that special I watched was released a year ago when was it recorded it was recorded in like September 2021, something like that. September 2021. You were joking about how short Putin is. Yeah. What made you think you won't get into trouble doing that? Like, did you have any... I actually went into trouble. Did you go into trouble? So tell me a bit about it. Uh, I released it special and several days after that, I got a call from my friend in my hometown and he's like, dude, the police are looking for you. And they wanted to investigate some other joke. Like, there was a joke about bribing in this special. Yes. The smiling police Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this one. And they talked to me about this joke. Two cops came from my hometown to Moscow and I had to hire a lawyer and we talked about this joke and in this small room, like interrogation room. But it's weird, it was never investigated. And then I got a call from uh, some fire police officers and they're like, what the f was that? Why did I get these papers from my policeman? Why? So they didn't know why I was interrogated. And people say, maybe that's because of your Putin jokes and they decided to like maybe, because in Russia, Police have to get a certain amount of criminals a month. Right. So they are looking for anything that can fit into their criteria of a criminal. So yeah. they watched my special and they didn't even know what's wrong with it, but they felt like uh, they could bring me as a criminal. So they interrogated me. And I don't know what was... What's but the... did you think you would get into trouble by joking about the height of Putin? I'm asking that because I don't know what it was like before the invasion of Ukraine in Russia. And... I 
I know as far as comedy is concerned, probably no mainland Chinese comedian would dare to joke about the appearance of President Xi of China. Mm-hmm. But I think that speaks that even though Russia was authoritarian, yeah, yeah. before the invasion of Ukraine, it was not as highly censored as in China. That's what I'm trying to understand. But it was pretty censored. Like I did this last special. We have this late show with Russia, like one late show. And uh, the host of the show really liked my special and he wanted to invite me to perform or to be mm-hmm. on the couch. And I was ready and then they have some guy who investigates the past of the guest of the show and then he watched the entire show and he saw this Putin jokes and he said no we can't allow him to oh, you're too much show. a risk to the whole yeah, yeah yeah so I guess I wouldn't get into serious trouble but I wouldn't have gone mainstream in Russia because with jokes like that it won't be allowed to be on TV to get really big venues for your like special tapings and stuff like that it would be like a to serious to be big in Russia basically you have to sign a Faustian deal, right? Yeah. You yeah. have to accept there are certain no-go yeah, yeah. topics. And and that's what, what's happening to Russian comedians right now. They mm. have to... And it, it got worse and worse since... Uh, I think it froze. Like, <laughs> it's no. so bad, it's, it has Yeah, it can, it can be, it can get any worse. Okay. When I made jokes about uh, the uh, short Putin, people were more afraid for me than for comics that just criticized Putin's politics and mm. stuff like that. Because in my jokes, I felt sorry for Putin. And uh, Russian uh, strong men, they don't like when someone is sorry for them. Right. It's humiliating for them. Because you're portraying their weakness. Yeah, it's humiliating and it's funnier. It's funnier for me than just, ooh, Putin is oh, so bad. did anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. He's so bad. But when you do, oh, I feel sorry, he's so short. It, it sounds da- more dangerous and sounds funnier than actually being angry against Putin. So I'm going to describe to you what my friend said about, the. I say, why him? And she then said, and I also observed continental European comedian, especially straight men, they have a Joe Rogan type of tendency. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know a lot about Joe Rogan type of comedy, but when it's so much on a night, you just feel a bit tired. And, and she said that you talk about needing therapy. You talk about <laughs> toxic yeah. masculinity. I was like, are you sure? Like you're talking about a straight male Russian comic. I have so much prejudice against Russian comics at that time. You are right. And that's why I had a look. And you did joke about that in a very smart way. And that's why for her, you really stood out. Oh, that's, that's so cool. So now in Berlin, do you feel like you are doing the percentage of typical, almost hackish Russian jokes as low as possible? Or you wish you could still reduce it further? I usually have one starter yeah. joke and uh, sometimes I don't do anything about Russia at all because... Uh, and I... it's completely fine for the audience. They yeah. love it. Okay. Yeah, the, you like you release this uh, initial tension about you being in, a Russian and then I do jokes about living in Istanbul or in Berlin. It's like universal and it's not about Russia. It's about me being an immigrant mm-hmm. in a broader sense, not about Russia. It's about adapting to a new country, to a new society, some cultural clash. It's not about Russia per se. So so is there a reason why you go for a more, what I would describe as a British comedy approach to base more on your story yourself, yeah. less opinion-based comedy? Yeah. Is there a reason for that or you're just naturally... 
Uh, it, it was uh, four years ago I, when I was uh, doing comedy in Moscow just for fun. It wasn't mm-hmm. for uh, for money or for career. I just, I worked at the office and I did comedy just for, for the sake of it. I wrote jokes really slowly because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know the direction of for my jokes. And then I watched, uh, it's not a British comedian, but he's kind of British in his approach, uh, Mike, Mike Berbiglia. Oh, yes. And uh, I saw his uh, special called uh, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. It's a whole story. It's a solo show and I thought oh I have a story that I would like to try and it works so well it writing jokes inside of a story it's so easy because you know the character you know the obstacles you know the goal and I wrote uh, a solo show in like four months and I hit the road right away and I think it's just my desire to be like Mike Berbiglia or like British comedians and on the other side it's just easier to write jokes when you have this bigger story to tell so that's your own journey and how would you define find your optimal audience of room how big is it where would it be what the audience composition would be like if you had the choice uh, I do have a choice it's actually pretty easy to like... <laughs> sorry for assuming you didn't have a choice yeah. I mean it's easy to repulse the audience you don't like <laughs> so when you do I see you're by doing comedy on the row and over and over you gradually yeah, yeah. filter out the, yeah know, sure following. you do like oh um, maybe this joke will bring some Putin supporters so I have to say that I hate Putin so they, <laughs> okay. they would stop coming to my shows but mostly my audience are people from the IT and from uh, digital the millennials millennials onwards. yeah m- the millennials pretty liberal born about... after the oh just about the collapse Soviet Union yeah around the time I was born right before, like three years before, Mm. so it counts. So yeah, people who grew up in the 90s, that's pretty much it. I mean, I envy Mike Berbiglia. (laughs) I mean, I want his life. I mean, I really like uh, the way he produces his shows. Like when the camera shows uh, the people in the audience during his specials, I'm like, oh, they're so cool. (laughs) And I once once saw Mike Berbiglia in in New York, just in in a cafe. (laughs) I <laughs> just saw him eating and like, oh my God, I want it. So it's less about the composition of the audience, but it's the audience so with, so connected to you as a performer. Uh, they can respond to you in a very special with a special bound is that the, what? yeah I want to be helpful funny and helpful some people would come to me after the show and said I went to therapy because you talked about it so much and that's so great to hear that means I didn't just make them laugh but I made them make some changes in their lives that's mm. so cool that's my goal for forever you did check the comments on your YouTube video, sure, right? Sure. So that one released last year. I read lots of comments via Google Translate. People <laughs> say that days are like hell. I've been in a really bad place, but thanks to you. And they say, even though I know every single joke in that special by heart, I still laugh out so loud when I come back. That's watch it. yeah, that's the goal. That's so cool because uh, that's what happens to me when I watch Stuart Lee, Mike Birbiglia, sometimes Louis C.K. They, I know, they are my friends because like I know their joke. You know are... they aren't, right? You do know they are what? they? Are they your friends? Are they on personal terms with you? No, no, no. But I mean, like it's, <laughs> it's called parasocial friends. That's know? what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. the illusion they're your yeah, friend. Yeah. What social media created that? Yeah. So I just I watch their special. Like, yeah, I know the jokes by heart, but it's so cool to be like in some safe place with them. Yeah. 
I have no more to add, but thank you so much. Thank you, Wei. To the podcast. So, okay, I'm going to say the only other Russian phrase I know to <laughs> спасибо. Oh. Uh, thanks for coming on. Спасибо the podcast. тебе. <laughs> <laughs>